Hello, welcome to the Dead People podcast. My name is Aaron and this is episode 10. I'm very excited to have you here. It's a good time to be had by everyone. <laughs> oh, I'm losing the plot, I'm losing the plot. But um, this is episode 10, or we will call it episode 9, part 2, if you like, because it's the same date as the last murder. So we're going back to Victorian London and we're going to the fourth victim of Jack the Ripper, the unidentified serial killer. It's exciting because it's the double event. That's what they called it, the double event. So the early hours of September 30th, 1888, Elizabeth Stride was murdered, but we did her last episode. So a few hours later, Catherine Eddowes, she was murdered we'll find out more about her now so uh here we are this is Catherine Eddowes Catherine Eddowes Catherine Eddowes was the second person murdered in the early hours of Sunday the 30th of September a night which had already seen the murder of Elizabeth Stride. Now, this was only less than an hour afterwards. It's really close. And this is commonly referred to as the double event. There are conspiracy theories that say that this isn't Jack. But most people believe that this that um, Catherine is the fourth victim of the notorious serial killer, Jack the Ripper. Now... Let's picture Catherine, what she looks like. She was five feet tall, so she's quite small. Um, she had dark auburn hair and hazel eyes. And her friends described her as, as a jolly woman and always singing. I mean, I wonder if she got onto the karaoke, you know, went to the karaoke bars, <laughs> you know, just sang her heart out, you know. Oh, I, I hope so. I really do. Even though, like, karaoke is like another 80 years away. It's fine. We can we can pretend that she did she did karaoke. We can pretend. <laughs> so Catherine was also known as Kate, Kate Conway, or Kate Kelly, after her two successive marriages. Um, neither of them went very well. She got married twice. She was born in Graysley Green in Wolverhampton, on the fourteenth uh, of April, eighteen forty-two. Now, um, her family, they were. All workers in the black country. Um, her parents were Tim Plate Worker, George Edgeos, and his wife Catherine. Now the family moved to London a year after her birth, so she doesn't really remember. She wouldn't remember growing up as a baby in Wolverhampton. Obviously, I mean, who remembers when they're? Does anyone remember when they're one? Because I don't. Maybe I don't know. But she comes back. Don't worry. But at the moment, they're back in London. They're going back to London. Um. And like eventually her mum ends up bearing ten children. Ten. There are ten. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's too many kids. Too many kids. 1857. Catherine's now about 14, 15 years old. And both her parents have died. This means Eddowes is now admitted as an orphan. And she has to go to an orphanage. She later returns to Wolverhampton. Where an auntie will look after her. And she gives her a job. She gave her a job as a, t- as a tin plate stamper at Old Hall Works. So her, her auntie got her this job, but it didn't last long because 
Catherine was caught stealing. So, obviously, that's not great. Um, I mean, stealing from your own family isn't great. And I think she obviously got very bored of working there. It was very hard work. It would have been very strenuous and a lot of manual labour. Very dangerous working in factories in those times. So maybe she, it was too much for her. And she just decided, no, I'm leaving. And I'm going to steal something on my way out. And obviously, that probably cut off connections to that side of the family. So she moved to Birmingham to live with an uncle. In Birmingham... She worked as a tray polisher. She was there for four months. Then she went back to Wolverhampton. <laughs> and then nine months later, went back to Birmingham. Oh, God, what a confusing time. I mean, you've got your teenage hormones going on. And you're going back and forth between jobs and towns or cities. It's mad. But when she got back to Birmingham, she found herself a boyfriend. She got a boyfriend. His name was Thomas Conway, a former soldier. And she had two children with Thomas. Now, Thomas was an Irish soldier. And he was a bit of a bit of a bad lad. <laughs> he was a character. So they were just... I think she must have fallen in love with him because he must have been very edgy and dangerous and a bit naughty. Because she even got a tattoo. She got a tattoo in blue ink. Weird choice. Blue ink. She put TC... On her left forearm. How cool is that though? Just imagining a Victorian woman just going in and getting a tattoo. That must have been quite rare. So cool. So cool. So Catherine and Thomas decide to move to London. So uh, let's go to London. eighteen sixty eight Catherine and Tom have moved to London. They are taking lodgings in Westminster, and a third child has been born. Now while in London, Catherine took to drinking heavily and ended up leaving the family in eighteen eighty. So twelve years this is built up for her just 12 years of this relationship has built up and Thomas there are allegedly he was abusive he was horrible he would hit her she would drink it was very toxic for 12 years so I think she finally just snapped and left she left the family Thomas and the three kids in 1880 but the year afterwards, she was living with a new partner called John Kelly. Now, um, that was another common lodging at Flower and Dean Street. Flowery Dean. <laughs> um, and it was a centre of London's most notorious criminal nookery, like rookery, whatever you want to call it. A very criminal area. Very dangerous. But that's where they went. They decided to live there. So while Catherine was trying to get up, get by and live and with her new partner, she took to casual prostitution just to pay the rent. Now, Thomas, to avoid kind of contact with her, with his ex, it's a bit awkward. Um, he drew out all his army pension under a different name and he kept their addresses 
and the children's addresses really far away from her. Like, he didn't want nothing to do with her. He kind of cut himself and the family off because he didn't want her in the, in his life anymore. So, yeah, he just got out of there. I don't know if I can blame him. Well, actually, no, wait, we're forgetting something. We're forgetting he's a bastard. Never mind. He's a bastard. Never mind. Never mind. He's horrible. Don't like him. Sorry. <laughs> also, by this stage, if Catherine could not afford a bed in Flowery Dean Street or a common lodging house anywhere, she would have slept rough. Most likely in Trafalgar Square with everyone else. It was a shit time. I did forget to mention one other person. Annie, who is the daughter of Catherine and Thomas. Thomas did not keep the, the address of Annie away from Catherine. Only the sons. Apologies for that. I forgot about the daughter. But um, yeah, so the daughter, she kind of left on her own terms when she was old enough. And she went and got married. But we'll, we'll come to her later. 1888, the summer. Now, Catherine, her partner, Kelly, uh, John, John, Catherine and John, and a friend named Emily took casual work hop picking in Kent. That was kind of just to harvest all the hops up. And I think everyone went there in the summer just to do casual work, especially if you lived in London. You just went and earned your money and maybe drank some beer. And it was quite, sounds quite nice, to be honest. After that, they returned to London and spent their pay quickly. I think Catherine and Tom are very much like me. They just spend their money when they get it. It's not a good thing to do, especially in Victorian London. But uh, yeah, it wasn't good. But they stayed in casual wards whenever they could. Or they slept rough together, which is kind of romantic in a way. <laughs> September 29th. In the early afternoon, Catherine told John that she would go and see her daughter and try and get some money off of her. Now, her daughter, Annie Phillips, lived in Bermondsey and she was married to a gunmaker. So she was doing quite well for herself. She had a good life set up and I don't think she wanted anything to do with her mum anymore. Um, yeah, and I don't think... Yeah, I, the way the story goes... I don't think her meeting with her daughter went well because she ends up drunk. Well, she got money, maybe, and drank it all. We don't know. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Now, John's end up selling his boots and he's walking around barefooted in London. Idiot. Um, which is not a good idea. So he ends up getting a bed at a lodging house and he stays there all night. Now, this is the night of 29th of September going into the morning of September 30th so we know what's coming so 8.30 Catherine is lying drunk in the road in Aldgate High Street it's not great and she gets found by a policeman now she gets taken into custody and then um, when she's there at Bishopsgate Police Station, she is detained. And she gives the name Nothing. She tells them her name is Nothing. How emo is that? So emo. Come on, Catherine, that's a bit dramatic. 
My name is nothing. Jesus Christ. Fair. A flair for the dramatic. Why not, Catherine? But she is drunk. We'll give her that. But they leave her in there for a bit. She sobers up and leaves at 1am on the morning of 30th of September. And what's weird at 1am, 30th of September, that is when Elizabeth was murdered. So, ooh, it's, yeah, I mean, in less than an hour, poor Catherine, we know what's going to happen. Upon leaving the station, instead of turning right to take the shortest route to her home in Flower and Dean Street, Catherine turned left in the general direction of Aldgate. She was last seen alive at 1.35am. At 1.45am, Catherine's mutilated body was found in the southwest corner of Meter Square by the square's beat policeman PC Edward Watkins. body was on its back, the head turned to the left shoulder, the arms by the side of the body as though they had fallen there, both palms upwards, the fingers slightly bent, a thimble was lying off the finger on the right side, the clothes drawn up above the abdomen, the thighs were naked, left leg extended in a line with the body, the abdomen exposed, right leg bent at the thigh and knee, the bonnet was at the back of the head, great disfigurement of the face. The throat cut. Across below the throat was a neckerchief. The intestines were drawn out to a large extent and placed over the right shoulder. They were smeared over with some feculent matter. A piece of about two feet was quite detached from the body and placed between the body and the left arm, apparently by design. The lobe and oracle of the right ear were cut obliquely through. There was a quantity of clotted blood on the pavement on the left side of the neck, round the shoulder and upper part of the arm. The fluid blood-coloured serum which had flowed underneath the neck to the right shoulder, the pavement sloping in that direction. body was quite warm. No death stiffening taken place. She must have been dead, most likely within the half hour. that was Catherine Eddowes. Bit of a short one today. There's kind of, it's kind of a short story to be honest. There isn't much about her. There was a lot of research done but there was not much to be found about Catherine Eddowes. Um, but yeah she was very cool. I like her a lot. But yeah that was episode 10. Double digits. Exciting. Um, we've also got a couple of um, men coming soon. <laughs> Sounds exciting. It's not as dodgy as it sounds. I mean... We are doing Vincent Van Gogh and Joe Orton, a writer who I love. So, um, yeah. There's murder. There's... um, I know we've done Vincent Van Gogh, haven't we? Who's next? I've forgotten. Never mind. Joe Orton and... Who is it? Oh! It's Mozart. Never mind. <laughs> Mozart. Yeah. Really cool. So, 
um, stick around. And oh, <laughs> well, my brain's all over the place. I'm sorry. Um, stay safe. Don't die. And I'll speak to you very soon.